Hey there, podcast fans. We're here with your favorite podcast host, Barbara Bray. How's it going, Mom? Hi, Andrew. You know how I feel when we're together. <laughs> oh, I'm always I'm always happy to see you. Me so too. how you been doing? Oh my gosh. I've been so busy. It's like getting ready for all these conferences and and doing all these podcasts, but some people are reaching out to me and sending me lots of contact, you know, like reaching on the contact form on my website, barbarabray.net. They're checking in and wanting to know if I'm doing this and want to have questions for that, want to be on my show. It's It's been kind of exciting <laughs> that people want to come to my website and also reach out to me. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how much you care about reaching out to other experts in the field of learning and education and self-growth. And a lot of them may not realize that you yourself are an expert in this field. And so I'm really glad to hear that people are reaching out. It's a good time for a plug. So folks (laughs) out there, check out barbarabray.net if you'd like to learn more about your favorite podcast host. And um, I know they can find you on Twitter. So I'm going to ask you to do a good old, good old fashioned plug where, where could they follow you? Oh, on Twitter, it's bbray27. On Instagram, the same. And then on LinkedIn, it's Barbara Bray. <laughs> Just look for Barbara Bray on all the places. And I love it. Yeah. That's and great. Rethinking Learning is also, it's kind of, I have that as a, one of my hashtags and handles. I love and, it. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> well, well now, now that we nerded out about all of the amazing things that you do. Tell us a little bit about this upcoming conversation. Oh, this is really fun because Debbie Tannenbaum reached out to me and said, hey, we need to talk. And so I looked back and we've been following each other for a long, long time. And I've been, and she has this amazing book on transforming education with technology. And so when I started talking to her, I realized we have so much in common. I mean, not only where she lives, I grew up there, but also the way she started with technology is similar to the way I did. So you're going to love this. This is a great conversation. <laughs> and I'm I'm so glad we're going to be friends forever. I just love Debbie. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, everybody stick around to listen to two women having a great time together with <laughs> Barbara Bray and Debbie Tannenbaum. Hello, audience. I'm so excited that I have someone here who we found that we have so much in common. It's Debbie Tannenbaum. Did I pronounce it right? Yeah. Tannenbaum, you're great. Oh, (laughs) I'm so glad you're here, Debbie. I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) Well, we were lucky. We, We talked first and I just feel like I've known you forever. I know. I mean, I couldn't get over. We had talked for like almost an hour and a half. And I was like, it felt like I'd known you forever too. I know. It was weird. We both went and told our husbands, I "I just met the most wonderful person. And I did the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, let me tell my audience all about you. I'm going to boast a little bit about you. Okay. Okay. Debbie is a school-based technology specialist in Fairfax County, Virginia. She's in her fourth year in this position and 22nd year in education. Yeah. You look so young. (laughs) I know. Not as young as I look. (laughs) 
No, but you've just been doing a lot. It's amazing. You shared with me how much you love learning. Do you know that? I just got to say this. I told my kids that I love learning. I love learning. I should show you my daughter made a plaque. Love learning because she heard it so much. <laughs> so funny. I think my kids think, think the same thing too. They're like, you're always reading and you're always doing this and you're always doing that. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we do. Lifelong learners, right? Absolutely. And in that, you're a speaker, a coach, author, teacher. You you do so much. I just, in fact, you told, I, I believe, and this is what I read, but I also believe this, that you're so passionate about helping students and teachers use technology as a tool for creation to activate and amplify learning. Absolutely. That's how I started. I know we talked about that. Yeah, yeah that's why I told you we have so much in common. Absolutely. I just can't wait for my audience to kind of hear what you're doing now. And, you know, I'm going to start this out a little different than I've done with some of the others. I want you to share your why. Kind of talk about your passion about transforming learning. I just, I love what I do. Um, and it's, it kind of started in a different place than it ended up, but I've always just loved helping students gain those connections and helping them make those connections in new ways. It started when I was little, um, my sister had a learning disability. And so I kind of wanted to help her with it. But as I grew, um, watching students really see those connections. And in my first year of teaching, I got a chance to see how the power of technology. And, and yes, it was over 20 years ago, we were using scholastic.com, but I still see so many parallels. Now we are able to, with technology, give our students authentic learning experiences that they couldn't ever get without the technology. They're able to do things that we just could never imagine. And so I really want to make sure that you know, when teachers integrate technology, they're not just saying, okay, sit at the computer and get, but they're using this to that technology to really transform instruction. Well, you know, and what's fun is I tried doing this 30 years ago without all the tools and what, and one thing, if you, if people realize now everybody has a phone, every, it seems like, right. And people are using t computers or, or they're using tablets and they're finding that kids are using these more than a pen or a pencil. <laughs> yeah. So it's a tool. It's just a tool. Absolutely. And that's why when people are like, well, our kids are on the computers too much. I'm like, well, how are they using the computer? Uh -huh. You would never say they're using a pencil too much. That's right. It, it just amazes me <laughs> that we can't get that through after 30 years. This is no. still the conversation that people are concerned about. It's really so important to teach the kids that are actually don't teach them just let them use them but that idea of how are they using them so they can actually think and learn and collaborate and all the things that you and synthesize you know and mm -hmm. like take that knowledge i mean we live in a universe right now where it's not about memorizing facts it's about taking facts and using them and like I'm always shocked as I try new things with kids, how fast they pick it up. I mean, I joke that I've recently become a Canva convert, but my students are teaching me almost as much about Canva as I'm learning myself. I love Canva. Yeah, you Canva's probably, like my new favorite. You probably noticed how much I use it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. In fact, I'm learning some new things. We'll have to talk about those. You mentioned that you went in 
the teaching because of your sister. But give me some background of what it was like when you were a student and when you were doing that with your with your sister. Well, I was always one of those things didn't necessarily come easy to me, but I've always kind of been a hard worker. And I'm one of those people like I, you know, sometimes you'll see students where everything comes easy to them and they take it for granted. Things didn't come easy for me, but I kind of just knew that if I worked hard enough, it wasn't like that I would be able to do well. And so when I saw my sister was struggling, it was really my first time, like seeing it from that different view, not that and like, and so I was able to then help her with things. And I remember, you know, being able to read books with her and seeing how by reading books, I was able to bring things alive for her that she might not have had, you know, previously we number of the stars was the first book. I really remember reading with her. Oh, that's a big, it's a great book. Yeah. It's, it's a tough book. What, how old was she then? Cause that's a fourth or fifth grade or. Yeah. She must've been at that time. It's the only, it's the first book I remember like reading besides like a picture book, uh-huh. you know, as I started working, you know, it just, because things necessarily weren't hard for me, but I always worked hard. I wanted to make sure I created experiences that weren't just that gave all kids entry points to learn. Wow. Because it's, to me, it's a, it, when I went to school, I don't remember it actually being very interactive, but I also know that we weren't as bound by standards as we are now, but I did a lot of stuff within, you know, my synagogue where I created interactive services for children, um, preschoolers. And so Mm. as I noticed ways that I could get kids more involved, um, and like, you know, having them do hand motions and singing songs and all of that stuff, I started Mm. noticing that there was other ways that I could engage kids. And I've always just been more comfortable with younger kids than I was with my own age. Um, especially when I was younger. And so I loved it. I, you know, People would always joke in my synagogue that, you know, if you would look for a line of kids and they were following me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you made learning fun and. Oh, it was so much fun. And like, it's funny because like, I wish that it had been that much fun for me. Um, And it's nice that like now my kids get a chance for the learning to be fun for them in that sense, or they did when they were younger. Technology opens the doors, which is. Yeah. And. See, you probably did those things with the book and with, you know, just being able to interact with the kids, but now you can do it virtually. You can do a lot of different things. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I can't get over the things that we're able to do and that, you know, kids are just comfortable with and, you know, being able to connect kids with people around the world, with experts, like we're no longer bound by, you know, not being able to do things because it's not a financial thing necessarily anymore. You can connect with almost anyone. You just need to make those opportunities happen. And there's so much, I mean, let's go back to is the whole reason you started doing all the working with your sister and at the synagogue, was that before you decided to become a teacher or did you always know you wanted to be one? I I have memories of always wanting to be a teacher. I was one of those kids with the raggedy Ann chalkboard and I made everybody (laughs) sit and listen. Um, (laughs) I shared a picture with you for the show notes. Um, I've always loved doing it. And it's funny because my family was like, oh, you don't want to be a teacher. You don't want to do that. And I was like, no, 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 I really want to do that. And um, my original vision was I wanted to be a French teacher. It didn't end up being what I ended up being. um, But I love my journey, even the ups and the downs. And I think it makes me a better educator now. Well, I think we need those challenges I mean, yeah. you you went on and got your 
master's degree too. I mean, yeah. you, you first went to the University of Maryland, which I was going to go to because I grew up in Maryland. And that's what was so fun when we were talking about yeah. just the region and I miss it, you know, and yeah. how close we kind of lived. <laughs> yeah. That was a good experience. But you said you were going to be a French teacher. How did you know? When did you know you wanted to change? To be a French teacher or not to be a French teacher? Not to be a French teacher. When I started doing some practicum experiences and realizing that disciplining in French was really harder than I had imagined, Mm -hmm. a lot of me wanting to be a French teacher because I had an amazing French teacher growing up in high school and she inspired me to like really develop that. But in a lot of ways, I feel like technology is a language too. And it is. And when I started teaching and I started like really learning about technology, like I really, it it became like a language to me and, you know, I love learning. And this is something that with technology, you can never learn everything. You're constantly having to grow and evolve. And I love that about it. What's kind of interesting. I had four years of French and I still, I only know a little bit because of the way it was taught. And I, so I've been using Duolingo to learn Spanish and because out here in California, Spanish is bigger, but I love the, I just love French. I just <laughs> I wish I had learned Spanish too. And I, yeah. for a while I was trying to do lingo, do lingo every day. It's just hard to keep up. There's so many things going on. So yeah, you're busy. You're so busy. And then you went and got your master's degree yes. in technology. Was it in technology? Technology for educators at Hopkins. Yeah. Wow. That's... Oh, and it's so funny because I think about the things I was doing when I got my master's degree in 2010, because my son is almost 20 years old and he was a baby when I got my master's degree. And it's so different. It set me up for being ready. I mean, because there was no one-to-one back then. I mean, we were still using Netscape Navigator. Oh, I remember (laughs) that. Mozilla and all that. (laughs) Yeah, all of that stuff. And it's just, it's, you know, and I remember, you know, being so excited when I was using a WYSIWYG editor to make a website, like. (laughs) Oh, I I mean, the first time we used Google Docs, I was like, because I I told you I was, they tested us on it and I went, this is cool. Are you sure this is going to work? People are going to collaborate, and we were like <laughs> working yeah. together. I don't know what I do with them now. It's no, I like, don't either. I mean, uh, and it's changed so much. I mean, like I can't imagine not using some of these collaborative tools and not giving our students those opportunities. And you know, I, one of the tools I use, I found out that the collaborative feature had been turned off at my school. Um, and I went to the person who's in charge of the company. I'm like, do you know why? And they're like, well, somebody had a problem with it. I'm like, uh, we need to allow our students to use this collaborative feature. And I, and, and as I told the kids, I'm like, I got you this back. Don't make me regret it because they need to be able to do that. It's so exciting for them to work together and be able, that's what they need to be able to do in the real world. I I just can't imagine not having these tools. I mean, for kids, especially during the pandemic. Oh yeah. I mean, what we, I mean, so many teachers were not prepared because they weren't using those. And then all of a sudden they're thrown into a virtual environment. Yeah. I mean, how did, I mean, what, what job were you in at that time? To- I was, I was in the same job at that point. Uh-huh. Um, and it was definitely, I joke that I don't really remember much from March to April of 2020 Yeah, because our district would try to put something in effect and then there would be an issue with it. And then we'd have to pivot again. And it was 
really, really tiring. But I also have to say, I've never seen teachers learn so much so quickly. Teachers are um, amazing. Oh my I, God. I just, to, when they talk, I talk to different teachers who, some are struggling a lot now because it's, it's yeah. on, it's off. It's on, you know, they're not sure what's going to happen next and that kind of thing. Or they're just not enough kids. They're not showing up, but there's so many issues. Yeah. Um, but they don't give up. They keep, I'm just so impressed. It's, I, I, it's so, I mean, it's so hard, but I am so impressed by the things I've seen. Teachers have just pivoted. You know, I joke that last year I felt like I had four positions. I had, let's teach everyone how to virtual teach. Then I had, let's teach everybody how to, you know, use, you know, how to start doing hybrid teaching. And then I ended up being the person in charge of making sure everybody was ready for testing. And then I ended up being the one who had to collect all the technology. So that like, it was crazy. This year has been a crazy in its own way. And yesterday we had a virtual learning day um, for the first time all year. But it's amazing how the, how resilient the kids were and how they just they were so excited just to see each other on camera and get learning. And and the teachers were ready to roll with the punches. They've just they've become so much more resilient. And it's and there's no doubt mm. it's tough right now. Wow. Is this a full-time position, technology yes. specialist? Because you were a teacher before. Yes. So I've, this is my fourth year doing it. Um, uh-huh. It's a full-time position in my district. And so every, there's one of us in each school. It used to be in the elementary school. Sometimes they would be split, um, but not anymore because we're one-to-one now. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of a jack-of-all-trades job. Yeah. I love the fact that I get to help teachers really look at ways of using technology. And I find a lot of times there's a lot of fear with teachers and by having somebody else there, who's a little bit more comfortable, it takes that fear and allows them to take that jump. It's well, I just, cause I was into, you know, I told you about my coaching um, mm-hmm. program and coaching. I found that a coach or a mentor on site you know, a coach or somebody there that a teacher can say, hey, I'm not sure what to do. But you mentioned something earlier about the students. I mean, students can mentor the teachers. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. I was one of the programs I love using is called Wixie. It's for little, it's for young children. And I was in a first grade class and one of my students taught me how to use, it's called the spray paint. And I thought it was just a waste of time feature. It turns (laughs) out with the spray paint, you can put like, like use it like a stamp. So they could use for math. Oh my and God. It showed me that. Um, and I remember another kid with that same program showed me how I could embed a picture I made into a Google site. Like I didn't know you could, you know, so I learned things from the students all the time. And even with Canva, I was like, how did you get all these styles? They're like, I pressed more. I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> you know, we just have to open the door. Absolutely. Open the door and let them, you know, even there was, I just want to share, there was a, a some schools I worked with in Wisconsin and one of the, they were co-teaching two teachers and they did seminars in the morning in their kindergarten class, kindergarten, first grade. And the the kids did the seminars. They signed up. It's not a cool idea. They signed up for the kids to be able to share what they learned or what they know. And it's like a 15 minute block and the kids could walk around and take, I just thought, why don't we do more of that? Why don't we do more of that? It would be so much fun. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that they do and that they can do. And I'm always, you know, shocked. Like I was teaching a group of second graders how to do, we were doing acrostic poems and on Google slides. And that's, it's not something like that's really hard. 
Yeah. They got to use word art. They got to use some pictures. And I had one kid, I went into their file later. We did one in class. I had another kid who during our intervention time, she didn't have anything to do. She made six or seven more in second grade. They can do it. See, the, I think the hardest part for teachers is if they're not sure how it works, they're afraid to let go. And if we right. can open the door and model that as a coach or a mentor yeah. or have the kids model it, and then the teacher goes, you know, I just, you know, come over here, tell, show me how to do this again. <laughs> yeah. So, And that's the one thing I think with the pandemic that really did have a big impact is so many of my teachers were like, well, I might not know how to do this, but I know I have a kid in my class who can, and they're helping me learn. And they're also like, some teachers are afraid to show that they don't know everything. Yeah. But after the pandemic, or we're still in the pandemic, obviously, teachers are less afraid to let kids know that they're still learning too. And there's many times where I'll say to the students, well, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'll find out or we can find out together. And I think that we have to model that growth mindset with our kids. I remember thinking my teachers knew everything, whether or not that was true or not. And I know they didn't. So, Well, the problem is, is that that's not fair. Teacher, it's not fair for teachers. Yeah. One of the things, there's nobody knows everything. And yeah. and the focus on content only, but not really looking at strategies that open the door for curious to be curious and yeah. you know, and innovative. The kids come up. I mean, the whole idea of you opening up ways to collaborate, just imagine if they collaborate with schools in another country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just so many possibilities and, you know, I was working on something and I was, and I I saw that one of the teachers in my school was working on something with space and they were finishing it up. And I'm like, I wish I would have known you were doing that earlier. I know this guy in Canada, Tim Stevenson, and he's awesome with space, you know? That's (laughs) right. That's right. But you like, you just never know. And like, I know children's book authors. So like, you know, we were both talking about Jillian and like, so, you know, I can provide those opportunities and it's just really great for the kids to see that, you know, we are in a very connected world. You mentioned Jillian Dubois, so I'll say it. Yeah, Jillian is um, amazing. I mean, there's a whole, I mean, we are lucky because we're on social media like Twitter and some of, yeah. that's how I met you is, is yeah. that you, one, I love it. You direct message me, hey, I'm here. And I went, oh, I know you. <laughs> well, I've been listening to your podcast and I was just like, I just loved how it was like talking on the porch and that's what this feels like. And, mm. um, you know, I've just really been enjoying it because I find that sometimes I was, lis- I was listening to the same educational technology podcast and I tr- really in the last year have been trying to expand it. So I'm listening to different type of podcasts because mm-hmm. I want to grow too. And sometimes if you're always hearing the same thing, you're not really growing. Well. I, it, the thing about technology for me, because I created just-in-time guides, I've done all these things, uh-huh. created a platform, I've done a whole bunch of, I know how to code, you know, that kind of stuff. So I got really excited. I wanted to teach everybody, but it got to the point where I became the how-to person, how to yeah. do it. And that's not what I wanted. I wanted the why. Why oh, would yeah. you like to use this? And that's, and that's what one you, of the things that I've been working a lot on lately. I agree with you because like, People will come up to me and they'll be like, I want to use this. And I'll say, well, what are you teaching? 
How does it help you? And so I've been working a lot, especially with my coaching clients. I have a framework I've been working on planning with intent where I'm really trying to have them start with why do they want to learn? Because too often people want to learn a tool and they don't, they're like, I just want to learn this tool. It doesn't matter what we do. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> you have to embed that into teachers because they're so overwhelmed. They, oh yeah. And a lot of them, they're, they're crushed for time. So you look at this, you know, this actually could make it easier. It could make it flow better. And, but that's somehow that why is missing because they're so overwhelmed. And I I don't blame them. I mean, obviously I haven't been in the classroom traditionally for the last four years, but it's a hard, uh, it's a hard job. Especially these last two years. I can't even imagine what some leaders and educators and parents, all of everybody is going through trying to kind of balance everything. But I feel like there was a big like difference. Everybody used technology for everything when we were doing virtual learning. And then when we came back last year, people were kind of like, well, we shouldn't use technology. And now we're trying to find that. Well, because people were like, well, we've been on technology so much. And so now really trying to find that good middle ground where we're using technology in an intentional way. We're being purposeful with it mm-hmm. because a lot of our kids, you know, they didn't get much experience with handwriting. I mean, you think about, you've, you've seen that chart on social media where it shows if your kid was in kindergarten when the pandemic started, now they're in this grade and look at all, you know, uh, you know, when we, they talk a lot about learning loss, but you know, they've learned different skills. And well, so we have to make sure we're balancing that. The problem with, we can have a whole nother talk about learning loss because oh, I know <laughs> I, I don't want to want to go down that hole, but it's, yeah, it, oh, I understand. But, but right. In fact, I am talking about that in something <laughs> on my, on a Twitter chat and on some, with some, um, maybe we can do a panel about it because here's the thing that, like you mentioned, what are the skills do they need for themselves to be able to deal with adversity? And, yeah. and be able to handle when anything happens and do we give them a chance to fail and try again? The yeah. problem is time. We are, Absolutely. we have put so much into our curriculum that we, we need to kind of dissect it a little bit and just yeah. look at how we can pull it together and do projects. How can we do pro- solve problems? How can we look at other ways that meet these yeah. standards? Anyway, that's what I worked on for many years and it's still something we are doing. I want to talk about, well, I'm not sure which one I want to talk about first. I think I want to talk about your book because I, I, one, um, it's actually, tell, tell my audience your title. So my title, Transform Techie Notes to Make Learning Sticky. See, I like that. Making learning sticky. Tell me mm-hmm. why, you know, why you decided to write this and and when it came out and we'll, sure. we'll put a link on it on the post and we'll make sure that everyone gets to you, you know, because so, they have to uh, get it. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, it turns out that the whole idea of techie notes and making learning sticky happen really came to be because I started when I became a tech coach working with young children teaching technology. And I had mostly taught fourth and fifth graders. And I would go and I'd work with my kindergartners and I would do a lesson and I'd feel like I was playing whack-a-mole. I'd help one and another one would pop up and I'd help one. And I got exhausted and I was listening to a podcast. I talked about this in my book, um, the 10 minute teacher podcast. And 
Tana Asabatana was being interviewed by Vicki Davis, and she was talking about how she had been working with her little ones um, using iPads, and that she had realized that she had to kind of make sure they had the skills they needed in order to understand how to use the technology. And she talked about that she had started teaching them icons, just like we teach kids letters so that they can navigate words. So I had nothing to lose. I reached out to Pana on uh, um, direct message and I told her I really liked what she was saying. And she sent me her, like, I guess her equivalent of like a Ted talk. Mm -hmm. I watched it and I started using this idea of icons. She used it like in a morning message. And I started using this with my kids and I started to see progress and I was really excited about it. And so I started all of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute, I have all of these icons I'm teaching children. And in a lot of ways, they kind of seem like they're a word, they're developing this word wall. So I made a word wall with icons. I think I have that picture on my website. If not, I can send it to you. And I put it up there. But when they started looking at it, they all looked like sticky notes and they were helping learning stick. Um, And so that's kind of where all of this came together. And since then, I've, you know, developed this idea a lot more. I present about creating with littles um, and I love sharing about it. I blog about it a lot, Um, but that's where it started. And then at the end of 2000. 18, I think. Yeah. 2018. I was part of a book study, um, with Sam Fesich and she was, everybody was talking about how they had websites and (laughs) I had had a website back in the day, but I didn't have one now. And I started playing around with different platforms and I ended up on Google sites and I sent her a copy of my, um, of my blog, my first blog post. And she wrote to me, she said that this needs to go out in the world, that my story was unique to me. It wasn't a story of everything being perfect, but there were ups and downs. And she encouraged me to put it out. Um, and I put it out on February 1st of 2019 and, um, I started blogging and by the end of 2019, I had been blogging for almost a year and I was part of a book, um, not a book, um, a Twitter chat. Um, and Jay Billy was in charge of it and he's put out a call to action. He's like, if you could do anything, what do you want to do? And without thinking, I wrote, I want to write a book. And he's like, well, you should go do it. (laughs) And so I I started writing and the pandemic happened and I stopped writing. And then I started writing again. And in December, it turned out I was watching a thing with Tim Cavey and he was interviewing authors. Um, Jillian, that's actually how I met Jillian. And um, Rochelle Denae Pope was there and they were talking about all of these things. And I was like, well, how much do you have to have done to do this? And they're like, you don't need to have it all done. And at that point, I think I was about halfway done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And Rochelle's like, I had guest blogged for her. She's like, you can do this. Definitely go after it. And um, I, I think that following week, I saw Darren Pepper, who's my publisher, put something out on social media. Do you have a story that you want to share? <laughs> I said, I think I do. We met. It was kind of, you know, a similar in a lot of ways, the way I talked with you, I felt like we had known each other forever. We like, after I talked to him, I couldn't stop writing. Um, and I talked to some other publishers as well, but when it all came down to it, he saw my vision for my book. And I knew that that was the right place for me to get my book published. And I was really excited when Jay Billy got to write an endorsement for my book, kind of coming full circle. Um, and A lot of it comes from my blog, but it really is my story. It starts, it transforms an acronym and it starts talking about how when I first started teaching, I talked behind closed doors and then it takes me all the way till now when I'm a connected educator. That's a really quick summary of a lot, but that's kind of how it falls. That's a lot, but it 
that's probably where you ended up. I mean, after your book came out, people wanted to hire you and do more with you because now you're a coach, speaker, and you're doing all this consulting, but you also, ISTE certified? You told I'm me something a about it. What was it, a, a scholarship or something? Or So, yeah, I found out through... I think one of the ISTE boards that NASA was having a scholarship for 20 people to get ISTE certified for free. Wow. Um, And it's one of those things, like I now have this mindset that if I don't try for something, I won't get it. And like, yes, there's like, I tried to become um, a Google innovator. That didn't happen time one. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I tried. Um, And so I applied for this, not really necessarily thinking I was going to get it. And lo and behold, I get an email saying that I've won the scholarship and you, you know, SD certified, certified isn't cheap. And I just finished my coursework yesterday. And, um, so I have to start working on my portfolio, but I have to say, I thought I knew a lot about technology and I do, but it helped me look at technology from a totally different way. And it helped me really reflect on my practices in a new way and, You know, so I find that like I had to pre-record one of my presentations yesterday and I'm like, well, you really should do this. And by the way, you're also hitting an ISTE standard and it's becoming like a common language. And I think that it's really been a wonderful experience. Plus there were people from all around the world in my cohort. So I got to meet people from all over the world too, from there as well. So I'm really excited and hopefully, um, you know, when I finish my portfolio, it's due at the end of August, I'll have my ISTE certification and I'm really excited about it. That's fantastic. I mean, I mean, I just can't imagine all the things you're doing and how you fit time in. <laughs> but I, I have to really be disciplined about what I do when, and you know, I'm, I'm really good at trying to budget my time. Like with the ISTE work, I was like, I have this many assignments to do this one. I'm going to work on today during, and then this one I'll work on the next day. Like I really had to kind of budget it because, you know, that that makes a huge difference. And there were times mm-hmm. this year where I was like, for a while in 2021, I was blogging every three days. Well, eventually I realized I couldn't do that anymore. And I've had to kind of say and adjust some of my expectations for myself because yeah, life's busy. Well, the way, I mean, look what you have now. You have, as soon as you get the certification, you you have, I know there are other things you're doing that yeah. we'll have to bring you back. Because okay, <laughs> we, we could talk all day. This is yes, like our porch. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I know there's uh, some exciting things that you're working on. And you had talked about even PD being different. And so those are the things that, I mean, we're going to keep on talking, but is there anything you want to leave with my audience and then, and how to reach you? I just think the idea is that we all have to kind of work together. Um, if I have to say one thing, since I became a connected educator on Twitter in 2017, my whole life changed. Don't be afraid to reach out. We also talked about, I'm part of the Teach Better team. I'm an ambassador, a blogger, and an admin masterminder. I don't think that's really a word. There's so (laughs) many amazing organizations like Teach Better um, that can really um, make it so you're not alone. And even if you're what like us and you're a lifelong learner and maybe everyone in your building isn't as jazzed up about everything as the two of us get, there are other people who will get just as jazzed up as you will. Mm-hmm. And they're out there. Don't do it alone. I, I feel like that's the biggest thing I can say. 
Learning is out there everywhere. It doesn't have to be a sit and get. You can learn listening to a podcast. You can learn, you know, just having a conversation with somebody over Zoom. There's so many ways to learn. And if I've learned one thing, don't be afraid to send a DM to somebody because I'm, I read books and I'm like, oh my God, I love this part or I love this. Like most people who are doing what we do, at one point, we're at a point where somebody else helped them and we want to help others too, because we're all like, it's that better together. Um, just so important. Well, I got your quote <laughs> that I always put at the top. <laughs> that is beautiful. Oh, I just, I just love our conversation. I mean, this I has too. been so wonderful. Thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this all week. Oh, well, we'll keep connecting. And we'll do a lot more together. (laughs) And hopefully I'll get to meet you at ISTE. Oh, we will. And then I guess as far as connecting with me, I'm pretty much Tannenbaum Tech on all social media. Um, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. I have a Facebook group um, called Tannenbaum Tech. And I'm going to spell it because just in case they don't go to the post because I'm going to tell people to come in and and make sure you look at the post. But it's... T-A-N-N-E-N-B-A-U-M Tech. Yes. Ironically, as my husband says, our last name is the, you know, German word for Christmas tree, which I I find very funny. Oh, that is Tannenbaum. (laughs) That is so funny. I... I, I knew I heard it somewhere else. Yeah, I always, I, I just think it's, that's hilarious. Like, and my husband's Jewish, but you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of funny. Well, you, that's the name that you got it. Yeah, but people all the time, all the time will come up and they'll go, you know, your name means Christmas tree in German. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> thank you again, Debbie. This is, uh, you are amazing. And I, I just look forward to seeing what you do next because it's just going to be, your journey is just growing. It's just beautiful and you're making a difference. So that's the goal. And I am so happy I got to sit and talk with you on your porch today. This is Barbara Bray. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning Podcast and my conversation with Debbie Tannenbaum. Make sure you check out the blog post on barbarabray.net that goes with this podcast because it includes notes about her story along with pictures, videos, and a link to her wonderful book. Please subscribe to my podcast. It would be awesome if you wrote a review. You can also subscribe to my website at barbarabray.net to receive updates, more inspirational podcasts, and a link to resources about my book, Define Your Why. Thanks again for listening. Keep sharing your story and please stay safe and be well.